Good evening, good evening. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Hey, Pastor. Hey. How's your day? It's going good. It's Monday. No complaint. Well, a little complaint, but it's more work-related than anything else. <laughs> yeah, when is there not a complaint at work? I mean, yeah, it's, right? it's work, right? That's kind of the nature of <laughs> It was the most Monday of Mondays I've had in a long time. <laughs> Stereotypical Monday. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, let's get, uh, wait for the people to come in here. Everybody comes in. Welcome, welcome, everybody. <laughs> All right. Hey, Cloudy. Hey, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. We got to set up that that uh that dinner date. Yes, I'm waiting on um Hector's schedule, but we're we're probably gonna shoot for a Sunday. All right. God bless you, Pastor. God bless everyone. Bless you. <laughs> God bless family. God bless you. God bless you. Come on in, everybody. Come on in. Grab a seat. Grab your favorite chair. Is it charging? It's charging. I just gotta see how how what's the rate. Oh, that's okay. 
All right, everybody, let's get up in here. We got about a minute and a half, and we'll start the prayer. So if you see someone, uh, you scroll and see somebody's missing, feel free to invite them in, text them in. We're going to be going over the book of Ephesians tonight, chapters three, hopefully four. And we're going to talk about some very, uh, very powerful stuff. <coughs> I know somebody's going to have a breakthrough tonight, and we'll pray for that, and we will take it from there. Book of Ephesians is an incredible book. It's going to really open up your eyes to see into the mind of, uh, of the, the apostolic anointing, uh, spiritual, spiritual warfare, submission to Christ, and all these things. Um, I hope that everyone has had a chance to read by now. Everyone should have uh, finished up with the book of Ephesians. And so we'd love to hear from you. What are your comments and what are the things that you got from it? Um, yeah, so let's, let's get ready with that. Let's get our spirit ready. Get, get the saints ready. Get them in here. Um, we'll start off with prayer. Then uh, we'll do a recap of yesterday. I heard the sisters had a tremendous fellowship yesterday. Very happy about that. Um, it's always good when we get our sisters together and their fellowship and, you know, get everything on fire. So I'm happy about that. Secondly, um, we want to um, continue to remind the saints to keep, um, you know, just keep keep the church in prayer. You know, we're always have things that we need to pray for, uh, especially the health of our children. Um, you know, a couple of families struggling with some of the, the health issues of their kids. Um, I think it's important what we talked about yesterday, um, mentioning, I don't know if uh, Sister Andy's going to mention that or not, but, you know, praying for, praying for someone else, you know, with that, with that type of fire and, and kind of leveraging that work in the spirit. You know, because there's always, uh, for some reason, right, we always tend to pray harder for somebody else than we do for ourselves. We don't get hung up, you know, with our personal issues and how we view ourselves, which is sometimes very, very critical. Um, and when you look at yourself critical in the world, is different in the spirit. You know, when you look at yourself critical in the spirit, you look at yourself through the eyes of, I don't think I'm worth it. I don't think I deserve, you know, to get this prayer answered. But your brother and your sister doesn't think like that at all. They absolutely think that you deserve it. Uh, and they call upon with faith, which is what's necessary, you know, to get answers from, uh, from the throne of God. So let's, uh, let's call whoever we got to call, text them, get them in. We'll start in prayer. Uh, we'll buckle up and then we'll, uh, and then we'll lift off. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We come before you whether we all got together in the same room or whether we're on our phones, you have made a way, Lord God, through the bright minds of technology, how we, Lord God, can come together without being in the same room. But this is no surprise. You knew that this day was going to happen. And so you gave us a scripture anyway, that wherever two or three, wherever we would be gathered, whether it be, Lord God, through electronics or in person, doesn't matter. It makes no difference because if our spirits can connect, in real time, then for sure, you are there in the midst of them. For this is a spiritual thing. And so, Father, we thank you because you never left us alone. You were always with us. 
even when we thought that we were alone. You always prove to us, oh God, your will and your grace. So Father, we thank you. We bless you. We ask you, Lord God, today to open up, Lord God, facets of glory, windows of glory, that we, Lord God, would have no more room for any nonsense, but only room for your presence and for your spirit. Father, we thank you and we bless you. May all these things, oh God, that we put in our hearts, all the things, oh God, all the desires that we have, let these things, oh God, come to pass. Father, we bless you. We know, Lord, that no matter what, that everything is under control. Everything is in your hands. We pray tonight for this Bible study. Consider, Lord God, the breakthroughs that we need and open up the scriptures. Even though we read it, they still need to be opened. There still needs to be revelation. Reading, Lord God, is not enough. We need to read. We need to have faith about it. We need to believe it. So open the scriptures tonight as we read, as we discover, as we learn. Because this, this book, Lord God, is going to teach us more about ourselves. It's going to reveal your plan. It's going to reveal, Lord God, what you really want from us and how to get it to us. We thank you, Lord, because tonight, Lord God, we have come together, sit around the table, whether we're driving, looking for parking, getting something to eat, transporting to or from work. We're all, Lord God, in the same mind of one accord. We present all these things to you in Jesus' name. Allow us, O God, to have a wonderful time tonight, that our minds, O God, may be renewed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Hey, shout out to those who are getting baptized. We're having Baptism Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah, Baptism Sunday is coming up. Praise God. To those who are coming down to the waters, we're going to have a great time. So get those House of Worship t-shirts out. Go get them. Wash them. Dry them. Dry clean them. Press them. Press them. Whatever you got to do, come spiffy. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take, uh, take a bunch of pictures uh, before, during, and after service, um, especially of those who are, who are getting ready to uh, get baptized. So we celebrate it. We celebrate whether it's just one person coming uh, to the throne. It doesn't matter how many. It just matters that they are coming and that the kingdom is open. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, 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 Joanna. I'm getting baptized. Yay. Yeah, amen. So the kingdom of God is open. The doors are open. Uh, we are in business. Heaven did not close his doors. We're still allowing people, uh, well, not us, but the Holy Spirit is allowing folks to go, go ahead and get saved. So as long as the doors of heaven are open, we'll keep our doors open. As long as heaven keeps accepting souls, we'll keep preaching the gospel. Uh, and we'll keep celebrating until Jesus returns. This is one of the days that we get to you know, Baptism Sunday reminds us that, man, we're, we're, we're in business, right? We're in business. Things are doing good. No matter how bad, you know, your week was or your month or whatever it was, you can always start over again because there's always going to be grace, right? If God can save one of us, he can save all of us. Amen. For, for, for as wretched as you think that you are, for as least as you think that you deserve it, it's not about you. It's not about you deserving it. He, it was his own will to do it. Amen. Mm-hmm. So if he lets you in the door, man, don't, don't hesitate. Run up in there in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to hand it over to uh, minister Andy and she's going to give us a recap. I uh, hope that we were blessed from yesterday's word. And um, I, w- I want you to guys to keep your comments ready, keep your questions ready. Uh, not only about this, but then we'll also talk about um, what you learned in the book of Ephesians after the recap. God bless everybody. Um, 
Pastor, there was something that you said in the beginning, and I wasn't going to mention it, but it was so, so good. And this was like before tithes and offerings. Um, it said, you said, why do you treat me like I did nothing wrong? And so, you know, I started thinking about just that little comment. And I know it has, it's, it's, it's different from, you know, the message. Um, but if you really think about what God did for us, you know, and you really think about this, this question, why do you treat me like I did nothing wrong? Uh, I think, well, for me, I got to, first of all, my heart was touched. Um, I was humbled. I was uh, in a state of, of worship um, because he treats me like I did nothing wrong when it's the opposite. You know, I've done so much, you know, and yet he still, you know, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he still died on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that moment, I, I just took a moment and I wanted to share it with you guys that if you really think about this question, just take a moment and just worship God. Give him thanks, give him glory, you know, honor him because of what he did. And so um, I wasn't in the, in the, in the, in the service while you were giving uh, the word, I was, I, I was blessed by, by giving the word to, to the next gen. But I love the fact that you started off with, you know, you started off fun. It was a fun service in the beginning. I don't think it was a fun service after, you know, because <laughs> after listening to everything, I was like, Ooh. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, oh my God, you know, like, this is so, so good. Only because the Spirit of God has been revealing this uh, to me, you know, like everything that you spoke about yesterday, uh, the Spirit of God has been, you know, showing me. And so what does it cost? What is, what is the price? You know, and you mentioned the price of raising great kids, a ministry, a business, a marriage. Uh, you also mentioned we, we want certain things, but we don't ask, what does it take to get there? And so the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, me asking for more doesn't mean that I'm going to have less problems. Or doesn't mean that I'm, you know, that, that um, I don't need to be disciplined. You know, doesn't mean that certain things need to change. You know, we want more money but we want the government, government to help us, you know? So it, you can't have both, you know, you want more money, uh, that means paying for your own insurance, you know? So it's like, you know, I look at both sides, you know, I want more blessing, but I can't have certain things that, uh, that maybe someone with less money can have. You know, so I started, you know, the, the Lord has been ministering to me, you know, like you have been blessed. So what are you going to do with the blessing that, that, that I'm giving you? One of the things you mentioned yesterday is uh, about our finances. You know, uh, you have more, but you have less in, in your savings. So does that make you, does, 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 it, does, does it mean that you have more? No, it doesn't mean that you have more. So, you know, the more I, 
you know, get closer to God, the more I dive into the word of God, the more, you know, I'm connected, you know, to, to, to the church, the more God reveals to me that more doesn't mean, you know, that is, I don't want to say better because it is better, but more doesn't mean that you have less responsibilities. So I like the fact that you uh, went in, I can't worship God unless I value what salvation costs, right? And so I thought about this and I was like, yeah, I value what salvation costs. But then you went into the story of in Mark 7, 14, where he tells the woman, you know, the, the, um, oh my God, I don't want to mess this up. Uh, I'm going to turn to it with the bread. Yes. Uh, what I have for the children of, of, of Israel. Uh, no, let me read it. Cause I don't want to, uh, mess it up because it's so good uh mark 7 right he went in uh, 14 uh 15, no um okay um 27 first i should feed the children my own uh first i should feed the children my own family the jews it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs and so I started, but every time I read this story, Pastor, let me tell you, it just rubs me the wrong way, you know? <laughs> it does, you know? I'm like, how dare he, you know? Uh, but then I have to check myself because I have to remember the character of Jesus, of character of God and who he is. And so, uh, but there is that moment where I'm like, ooh, why does he do that? You know, and then you add it to it, you know, like you, because I, you know, when you're, when you're, when the scriptures rub you the wrong way, you should dive in deeper and find out why it's rubbing you the wrong way, because there's something there. Right. And so you go in and you're like, it's not like he did it on the DL by herself. There was people around where he's like, you know, he tells her, you know, what I have for my children is not, you know, it's not. It, it, it isn't right to take food from my children and give it to the dogs. And then you're like, who are the dogs? Her and her people. And I'm like, oh, oh, like you're really like, like it's bothering me uh, just for, for like a quick second. It's bothering me. Right. And so uh, I, you go in and, and, and her response, which I love and I admire this woman. Right. And I've always have admired this woman. In, in her response, she goes and says, right, um, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plate. Wonderful response. Admirable, right? I, I, I yeah, exactly. Thank you. Okay. I, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm the only one that needs prayer, right? But uh, she put, you said she puts her pride aside for her daughter. So, but I go deeper than that, Pastor, because you started off with, I can't worship God unless I value what salvation cost. If I think about this question every day, if I think about what salvation costs Jesus, you know, then it's more, it's easier for me to put my pride aside because now I'm thinking about what salvation costs. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't something all like, oh yeah, he's God. You know, like he, he got this. 
No, it cost him something. And so when we think about what it cost him, then we can put our pride aside. We can stop being selfish. And maybe, maybe if an opportunity like this happens to us, we can respond the way this woman responded. So that, those two things, like, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I no longer look at this. And I, and I get it, you know, Pastor, you, 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 you broke it down. You said there was a reason, right? It was to demonstrate the shift of the promise from, the, the, uh, from only the children of Israel to all the children of the world to have salvation, right? To, to have a relationship with God, to have a connection with God. Yes, I love that. Yes. But it's deeper than that, for, at least for me. When I thought and I think about what it costs my Lord and Savior to die on the cross. And it all takes me back to the beginning. Why do you treat me like I did nothing wrong? Right? And so I have a bunch of notes, uh, but I'm just going to mention another thing. Uh, you mentioned Second Timothy. Guys, if you don't say anything, I have more. And uh, I could share everything that uh, the pastor shared, but I want to give you guys an opportunity because it's, it was such, it was so good. It was so good, pastor. Okay, uh, you mentioned 2 Timothy 4, 7, and Paul said he kept the faith, you know? And so I read the scripture over and over and over and over again, and I'm like, that's the key. And you said it yesterday, pastor. You said, we ha- keeping the faith is what is going to make me win long-term. Now, I know that we spoke four weeks ago about winning uh, on autopilot. All right? This is one of the keys to win long-term. Yes. So on autopilot, long-term, right? So uh, I, I saw this, and I'm like, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. And then you ended it, Pastor, with suffering. Right. And I'm like, why is pastor going into suffering? Because we need to know that in order to mature in our walk with Christ, there's going to be suffering and it's never going to end. We want to mature. We want to build character. We want to build perseverance. But we tell God, no, I don't want to suffer. And no, you know, and I love the two options, the option of me suffering uh, because um, so uh, I'm, I'm suffering uh, because of me, right? Or suffer for others. And when you said this, it's funny because last week I was talking to a sister and I was telling her, look, the more we pray for other people, the more we, we stop being selfish, all right? The more we, 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 you know, minister, the more we just give to people, all right? God is going to take care of us, okay? And I don't know about you. I don't want to take care of me. I don't. Why? Because I'm limited. I only know what's going to happen right now. That's it. I don't know a minute, an hour, tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that the one that's taking care of me knows from the beginning to the end. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He's no, he knows what's going to happen next week. And I'd rather him take care of me. So if, if he wants me to pray for people and to, to, to contribute to people and, 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 and cry with people, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I know that God is going to take care of me. So, uh, Pastor... 
bomb.com. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I want to hear from you guys because that's the, me and you could talk after uh, about all these notes that I have. <laughs> All right, folks, um, Sister Andy, thank you so much. I love how you recap everything because it's just, it, it brings to remembrance everything that Pastor preached the day before. And if you don't really talk about it the, the same day or within 24 hours, it kind of escapes. It's kind of like, what did you have for breakfast two days ago? If you don't think about that or talk about it, you really won't remember. Um, so I, I appreciate you, your, your recaps, man, because um, when, as you were talking about it, one thing that stuck out to me was another scripture, you know, what is the cost? And in Luke 14, uh, 27, 27 to 30, um, I'll read it from 28. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he laid the foundation is not able to finish and all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And it reminds me of that, yes, Jesus counted it. And he knew from the beginning what this was going to cost him. And he was able to come through all the way to the end. And we, in the same manner, have to now take into account, if I start something, what is it going to cost me to finish it so I can hold my integrity, so I don't look like a fool, so I don't put my mouth um, before my works. And so that kind of spoke volumes. And I know uh, Minister Alicetti is going to talk about some other stuff that uh, I already have a feeling I know what it is about hold, keeping the face. So I'm not even going to touch that. Um, but uh, I also really, what really spoke to me and stood out in the service was the suffering. And I'd rather suffer helping someone else than have to suffer on my own mess. Because I got things that I cannot resolve and that I that hold, that hover over me that I am siloed in. And it's much easier, like Pastor said, it's much easier for me to pray for someone else because I have more faith for someone else than sometimes my own situation. And it's because we're probably knee deep in our own problems. So I'd, I'd rather pray that off. You know, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So I'd rather do that switch and say, hey, you know, I'd rather put my focus and be and not be selfish, but be more astute to God's uh, work in his kingdom because I know he's going to take care of the rest. So I'm going to keep it nice and short and sweet. But again, if you guys want to, it was, again, what stood out to me was in Luke uh, 14. Uh, I'll just put, the, I'll put it 27 to 30 if you want to read it on your own. All right. And I'm tagging in Minister Araceli. Go. God bless family. Um, so it was, it was so good. Like it was, I mean, even listening to it again, my hands can't move fast enough to take down notes, you know? So I'm so grateful for the SoundCloud. I'm so grateful for the YouTube. But yesterday, I mean, me and Sister Kim, we like going back and forth, like what he said, like what was this, what was that? Cause we were just, it was just so good, you know? So I would, I would bookmark this one in one of your favorites, you know? So one of my, I'm going to try to go in order because it was just so good. So one thing I enjoyed very much was when he, when pastor spoke about value and how the mother had enough faith based on what she valued. And sometimes we can go in there and, and that could be like minister Andy too. I could go in there and be like, how could Jesus respond that way? You know, but it's just so powerful because it shows what, what can manifest when you have faith 
and when you're relentless about something and not gonna quit no matter what someone says no matter what someone does even when you think that that person is the answer to what you're searching for so when you face rejection what do you do do you rest on faith you know, some of us may think that we go into a, a situation not knowing the outcome. And yes, that's true. But is it really when you have faith? Because faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So although I can't see it, I'm going to go into the situation by faith with the picture of what I'm hoping for. So she's going in there for the healing of her daughter. And that's all she sees. And she's not going to quit until she gets it. So what are we looking for? What is the faith that I'm having? that I'm going to go into this situation regardless of what the response is. I'm going to stick with what God said. I'm going to stick with what I have faith for. And that can only happen when pride dies. Because when we face rejection, right, pastor then goes into how we have to bypass pride. So imagine you ever stepping to someone and getting that rejection right to your face. I know for me, my propensity is to quit. Once I face rejection, it's like, all right, that's it. I may not quit on the bigger picture, but I may quit on that path. But we know that Jesus is the answer and he's the way, he's the truth, he's the light. So that healing had to go through no one but him. So when we face that rejection, can we put our pride to the side? And like Pastor said in closing, keep the faith, not use it. And that's what that right there is is what i'm holding on to for the entire 2020 that i don't have to use my faith i have to keep it like like perpetual motion it can it can just go on forever if i just hold on to it if if i can put my pride to the side if i can understand when pastor brought up that that scripture about tribulations so if i want perseverance if i want this if i want that all that goes through the foundation of tribulations and how we need to keep that clear thinking pastor said manifest clear thinking knowing that when we go through something and, and in this walk we would constantly face tribulations if we're seeking to get perseverance if we're seeking to want to keep our faith if we're seeking for that that's what this walk is going to entail so let's not have this very this fairy tale let's remember this sermon let's remember this portion of scripture that says we have to be relentless we have to put our pride to the side we have to go into it by faith, trusting in the character of God and who he is. And I think, I think this one is, is, is a bookmark sermon. I'm telling you, I mean, Pastor, all of these have been tight. I can't keep up. My notes are like, you know, almost 2,000 notes and everything because I just love to write. I just love to soak in everything that, that God is speaking to our hearts. And I know that it can benefit each and every one of us. So I, appreci I, I, I greatly appreciate it yesterday. Thank you, Pastor. And thank you for the recap, Minister Andy. All right, we have Brother Joe in the house. Amen, amen. How y'all doing? Um, what really stood out to me was um, when Pastor talked about keeping the faith. And uh, the note I took was, what does that look like? Because, you know, you hear something, you know, someone tells you, you got to keep the faith, but what does that mean? What does it look like? And in the same scripture, you know, that, that he referenced, Paul says, I have, I ran the race. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And then in conclusion to that, he says, I have kept the faith. So, you know, it, it just really spoke to me because 
especially the season in, in, in life where I'm at right now, you know, I want to keep the faith, but what does it look like? It reminds me that there is a fight that I have to fight. There's a race that I have to, I have to run, you know, and, and as Christians, we have to understand that it's not just, oh, just have faith. No, you have to walk it out. You have to fight it. You know, life isn't, life isn't always easy, you know, so faith gets produced when we fight that fight, when we, when we run that race, you know, David had faith to fight Goliath. Where did that faith come from? He said it. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, I was tending the sheep, a lion came and I killed the lion, a bear came and I killed that bear. So David fought these fights and in the fighting and in, in those battles, that's what produced the faith in him to then be able to conquer Goliath. You know, a lot of times we over-spiritualize things and we're like, well, just have faith. You got to trust in God. Amen. Praise God. Yes, we do. But what does that look like? How do we work it out? And I love the scripture that Pastor referenced because Paul said, you know, before that, he even talks about how he's being poured out as an offering now. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about the struggles of his life and, you know, striving for the gospel. Now he's fought this fight and he ran the race. And as a product of running the race and fighting that fight, he says, I have kept the faith. So, you know, it just really spoke to me, especially, like I said, now the season in my life where I'm at now where I need to access even more faith. And a lot of times we lose sight of the battles that God has already brought us through. You know, we lose sight of the fact, yo, wait a minute, I fought fights and I won those fights. And that's what produces a faith. Or I've ran a few races and guess what? I've won. I've won those races. So now that creates, you know, it just creates more faith in me. And it also falls in perfect line with what he was preaching about, about how, you know, consider the cost. Consider the cost. There is a fight. There is a race that you have to run in order to achieve the things that we want to achieve, not only for the kingdom, but also for, you know, for our own lives. You know, you have to put in the work and there is a price that has to be paid. But a lot of times, you know, we want the rewards without putting in the price. So, you know, I just wanted to add that. That's what I got from, from yesterday. All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank the Lord for, for his word. Uh, and may the Lord add a blessing to yesterday and to all those who are able to uh, connect and be part of be part of the YouTube. Uh, talk to my father today, Dominican Republic. He says that he gets his notifications. Uh, and before they have service over there, he, uh, he plugs in uh, to, the, uh, to the service. I don't know if he said he did live or he saw it afterwards, but nonetheless, that's a, the, the subscription notifications work. Uh, and so we'll continue to push that. We passed uh, last week, right? Before last week, uh, we reached 100. Yes. Yeah. So we keep celebrating every, every time we get 100 uh, new subscribers. Let's keep mentioning that, celebrating it. Um, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a, a tool that it's available to us. It doesn't cost the church anything. Um, we have we have the equipment, and now it's time for us to push it uh, a little further. And so, um, our our investments in the future, in the near future, are going to be mostly uh, driven in technology. Whatever we don't invest for the maintenance of the building and for the children's church advancement, uh, we'll put that into technology to saving souls uh, that cannot make it to the uh, physical building. Amen. And continue to pray. Uh, for another thing, we want to start Spanish Bible studies, uh, all, all Spanish Bible studies. We were thinking about starting up a, uh, a Spanish service, but I said, if 
uh, everything that we have ever done always started in a Bible study. So uh, I'm excited about that. I'd like to, you know, ha have that here available uh, for the Saints. I'd, I'd also would love to do that in New York as well. Um, I think that's going to be very, uh, very beneficial um, to bring that to the, the Bronx slash New Rochelle area. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a big deal. So let's uh, let's pray for that. Let's keep that in prayer. Uh, keep that in mind. If let me let me let me give you something for free. If you're not good at praying, start with keeping it in mind, because maybe you don't have the habit of prayer. Where, where you say, okay, I'm going to dedicate this time. I'm, I'm going to prostrate. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get into it. If you don't have that, then start with thinking about it, okay? Uh, start to think about it. So if I say, guys, let's, let's keep this in mind. Let's pray. Because I'm talking to those of you who don't pray that much. But here's how you start. You keep it in mind. You think about it while you're driving. You think about it. Oh, they're going to do a Spanish Bible study. I think that would be great. And then you just say something like this, add to the thought and say, Lord, may it, may it happen in Jesus' name. Start there, right? Because man, so, sometimes you just got to start somewhere, right? If you can't start with a traditional prayer and start your prayer traditionally, end it traditionally, then maybe what you need to do is just start thinking about good things. The scripture says, all things that are good says, think on these things. So thinking on good things is also very, very appropriate for you to do it. Think on these things. Anything that is pure, right? Anything that is noble. Uh, I forgot what else he says. Anything that's pure, anything that's noble, anything that's something else, he goes, think on these things. So think on it, right? Think about your church. When you, what, what I do when you saw that, if, if you go to my house, you see uh, that we put, uh, we ask the couples for their pictures and stuff like that. Because what I do, I don't sit there and, and just, all right, let me pray one by one. No. But sometimes I'll just think about you, right? Uh, and what's that, the, the scripture we read a couple of weeks ago? It says that the memory of the saints is a blessing. Yes. Ain't that something? That you can think about somebody who's important or has contributed in your life, and the, the memory of them is going to be a blessing. Amen? And so, uh, yeah. See, I, I, I don't know if you guys pick up on what I do, but I use everything in the Bible. I'm like, I'm like a poor chef. I use everything in the kitchen, right? Whether it makes sense or not, I'm cooking with everything I have. And so when I think about the goodness of the Lord, all the scriptures come to mind, you know, and that's, that's, the, that's the blessing. That's the buffet of scriptures that you should have in your mind. Uh, and that really, really, you know, bails me out of trouble because I have a habit that whenever I'm in trouble, I think about, you know, the Lord. I think about the scriptures. I let it, let it speak to me. Let it bring it up. And that's why I'm excited today. Uh, man, so many, so many things um, that, we're gonna, that we need to talk about. But talking about that, it reminds me of yesterday. I think, uh, I don't know if Sharon had put something on, uh, on, on, the, uh, on the chat about time, God's time. Yes. What, a, what, a, what a revelation. You know, when the Lord was, I was preparing, the Lord had revealed to me that Sometimes we suffer because we don't assess the timing right. And we think that the game is over when we haven't even reached the halftime yet. There's, there's a process to everything in life, to everything. Uh, Solomon said there's a season, right? There's a season to laugh. There's a season to mourn. And so 
how do you know that you have reached a season, right? How do you know you reached a season? You, you know you reached a season, um, you know you're in it by the circumstance, but many times we don't know when the season's over, right? And so you might already be quitting before the season is over. And so some, there, there's, we can go through many different seasons at the same time. You can be going through a season in your family while you're going, you know, a season of maybe turmoil in your family while you're going through a season of success on your job. It's very possible. It doesn't mean because you're, you're, you're succeeding in family that you're not going to get laid off or that because you got a promotion that all of a sudden the family runs in parallel. Our lives, everything doesn't run in parallel not at least all the time. Uh, however, when you set your mind on the things above and you start to push and you keep the faith, then you will see that in the seasons uh, of, of, of your uh, pushing and the season of your effort, then you see everything runs uh, on, on, on all cylinders because when one thing goes up, you can push all things together. But it doesn't work like that all the time. When God is trying to develop something, for long-term growth, you're going to start experiencing different seasons. Uh, same time, during the same frame of time, you experience different seasons on the different areas of your life. And you have to be okay with the changes. You know, one of the things that we never uh, hid from you is that you're going to go through changes in this walk with Christ. And you're not going to like every change. But here's what we do know, that you will love it at the end. At the end, the Lord will have his way. He'll have his, he'll have his way. And if God has his way, everything is going to work out the way it was supposed to. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. So assessing the time appropriate, uh, knowing that you're in his time and you're in a process, do not rush the process. Don't feel like a failure uh, when the game isn't even over because that's sometimes the devil wants to disqualify us and make us forfeit by walking off the field. You know, if you walk off the field before the game is over, you forfeit the game, you lost. Not because you were outscored, simply because you walked off the field. You know, how many times have we walked off the field when the game wasn't over? I'm not talking about a, 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 a baseball game. I'm talking about your life. You know, you quit. You, know, you quit on a relationship, uh, you know, just because you know, it doesn't look like it's working out. It's, it ain't over yet. Mm -hmm. It ain't over yet. Don't don't walk off the field. Don't be so quick to walk off the field. Throw your uniform to the side. And say, oh, forget this. And then you, then you, you, somebody, you know, you're you're in the parking lot. Somebody say, hey, listen, you got 30 minutes on the clock. You better go back in there. You can still score, right? You can you you can still you can still uh, uh still turn this thing around. So, amen. Let's. You know what? I want to pray right now for for a turnaround. Right? I want to pray. For those of you who think that the game is over and God is telling you to over. put your uniform back on, get back on that field, you still have time for a turnaround. Amen. God can turn this thing around. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may give us a spirit of turnaround. Help us, oh God, to put our helmet back on, to put the breastplate back on, to put the shod back on, to take back the sword, to get back on the battlefield because the battle isn't over. The game isn't over. We can still turn this thing around. The Holy Spirit is still active. Your voice is still speaking. The power of the Holy One is still upon us. The anointing has not been lost. The oil has not dried up. 
and there is still a bomb in Gilead. We have the power to turn this thing around. Give us, O oh God, the spirit of David to face every Goliath that wants to threaten us and wants to shake us to our core. We refuse to quit. Game isn't over. We're going to get back in, reclaim what is ours, and turn this whole thing around that before the game is over, we will have the victory. So I pray right now that whoever Lord God is struggling, they may turn, get back in the game and turn the thing around and take the lead back. Take the lead and don't slow down until they finish the game. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for breakthrough. We pray, Lord God, for turnaround. Yes. We pray, Lord God, for comebacks. Yes. All these things are going to manifest for a powerful testimony so that your glory, Lord God, may be manifest against, uh, for the saints against, Lord God, the spirit of weakness, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of division, the spirit, Lord God, that would want to uh, divide and conquer us. But we, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, have each other's back. We're going to get back in the game. We're going to turn this thing around. We're going to take the lead, and we're going to finish strong, and we're going to hold the faith all the way to the end. We thank you, Lord God, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let us, let us go to Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse number 1. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, ESV. Matter of fact, no, I want to read out of the uh, I want to read out of New King James. Let's read. Let's read the New King James. There's some things that we want to. Uh, we don't need the easy version. We need the, some original context here. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, which by you, uh, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which under the ages has not made, was not made known to the sons of men, as it was now revealed or has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in, in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, that this, that grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stop there at verse 9. First, I want you to uh, look at his opening statement in this chapter. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, the Gentiles. <laughs> he is in, he says he's a prisoner, but uh, he, was, he was a prisoner uh, two different times, one in Rome, 
and forgot the other one. Uh, but the, these these years that he was held as a prisoner, he was held by the Roman government. He was never held uh, by uh, by the church. The church was not in prison. Yet he says, "I'm I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ." How could you be in a county jail, uh, in in the in the in the government's jail, in, in the state's jail, and say that you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Is because he understands that the Roman authority is not the ultimate authority of, of his life. And he's, he's in prison for preaching the outlawed gospel. The gospel at this point has been outlawed of, of which he himself has said, helped to set it up to be outlawed because he had uh, in the book of Acts, as we read, we found out that a young Saul was thrown the clothes of Stephen. Stephen became the first martyr. Uh, and Stephen uh, was stoned in front of him, and this excited young Jew who was studied, um, and he was educated, and he was very zealous for the Jewish customs and, and, and so forth, they threw the, the feet, and that sparked something because Paul went and got letters of authority, had them stamped, so he can become basically the first Christian bounty hunter, and he was, he was, he was, uh, grabbing Christians, throwing them, committing them to prison, some of them having them executed for sure. Uh, it was a very gruesome scene, and the Lord had converted him on the road to Damascus. And so now he is, he is uh, arrested, and he's in prison based off a system that he basically sparked and started. But he understands that all of this, even him starting it, was his religious zealousness. Uh, and he realized that the Lord had revealed unto him. He said, uh, uh, Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Uh, meaning that he was comparing him to an animal. When they put a bull or, or a horse in a stable, they'll put spikes, call them pricks, uh, on the inside of the door so or the stall. So when the, the animal kicks back with his hind legs, he'll hurt himself. And so he's teaching him, listen, number one, you, you can't get out of this pen. And number two, you're only hurting yourself coming after me. And it changed his life completely, changed his life completely. Uh, but nonetheless, he understands that I have, I made some mistakes. I submitted my life to Christ, even though I'm in a jail cell for these people because of this thing that's outlawed, uh, it's not them. He, ha he has been broken out of prison. He's very aware of the power of God that if God does not want him there, he won't be there. He'll, he'll, the earth will shake, the doors will open, an angel will just walk him out the front door uh, as it had happened before. So I just wanted you to, to point that out, that even in your worst times, while everybody says, oh, he's in prison, oh, she's this, oh, he's that, if God is in control, he can pull you out of that situation at any time. So if the Lord didn't pull out Paul out of the situation, it's because it was beneficial for the church for him to be in prison writing these letters, taking his time, because when he was traveling and rocking and moving, he didn't have time to be training people. He was on the go. If you read his life in the book of Acts, you see how, how, how busy he was. And the only way that he can get him to sit down and to write his journals and to write these letters, which is now uh, a, a, a hefty percentage of the Bible, 
we are benefiting because he was in prison. And you might not want to think so, but some of your hardships can benefit other people. You don't think so, but most of our uh, powerful testimonies came at the price of times that we didn't appreciate while we were going through it. Later, it became part of our testimony. Now we glorify God because of the things that we went through. And so I just want to kind of put that in context so you could see that when you read the Bible, you also have to see what is the application and what is he trying to tell me, you know, that when he says that he's a prisoner of Christ, what does that mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you also to think about what I think about and what's my process of thinking when I read the word, right? I'm not just reading it for what it is. I'm trying to juice it, right? I'm trying to throw it through a food processor and process every part of it. He is a prisoner, not of the Roman government, even though he is a prisoner of the Roman government, but he doesn't say I'm a prisoner of the Roman government because he understands what's happening. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm under his will. I'm only sitting in this jail cell because he allowed it. If he didn't, if he wanted me out of here, he'd have walked me out with two angels with my own, my own armed guard walking out here uh, with a robe on right through the front door, uh, as, as we saw that in the book of Acts. Amen. Let's go back now because he's talking about the Gentiles, which uh, belongs to us. The Gentiles, which consequently the scriptures that the sisters were mentioning before, uh, about you know him, uh, Jesus calling the woman, uh, comparing her to the little dogs. It was talking about the Gentiles, right? The people who were not the Jews, that the children were the Jews and the little dogs, uh, comparatively speaking, were the Gentiles. And he didn't mean to hurt her feelings because he blessed her, uh, but he was checking her faith to see what, how, how, how far was she willing to go to get what she wanted? And this is part of, uh, this is part of the reason that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah, why he would open up the doors to the Gentiles, because the hunger that the Gentiles would appreciate a savior because they didn't have nobody religiously like Jesus. There was nobody like him. And so the Gentiles at the time were floored by Jesus because they were idolaters. They worship idols and these idols never talked back to them. These idols never, never manifested themselves. The Jews all this time, had the one and only true God who spoke through prophets. But, the, but the, the Gentiles had idols. These idols didn't speak, and their prophets were made up. The Greeks had mythology. Zeus never said anything to them. Nobody came down and spoke to them. So when the, so when the Gentiles saw this Jesus Christ, they said, I'm going to leave this. This idling talking to me, but they're saying that this Jesus can heal. I've been putting food in front of this dead statue for years, and nothing happens. And you're telling me this guy walked on water? You're telling me that this guy fed 5,000 people? You know what? Forget this idol. Let's see what this Jesus is about. And their pure hunger was prophesied in the Old Testament that this is why the Lord would open up the door to them. And so here we're seeing the after effect, the manifestation of the promise that we have. Amen? So, so some of you, this is repetitive. But it's not repetitive for people who were not there when we were reading the Old Testament, right? But I would love to, I would, I do have to tell you, you know, you missed it. We went through the whole mm -hmm. Old Testament and it was fantastic. Amen. Mm -hmm. But uh, guess what? We're going to be reading the Bible for the rest of our lives. So you miss out that session, but who knows? Maybe the next time we go around, it'll be even better because more of us have more in depth 
uh, feedback about all that we have read. Verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Amen. Wow, that's so much in that verse 12. Look at what it says. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence, not just access. Look, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. That's amazing right there. That's a mouthful. He's saying that we have access with confidence, which means I have certainty and I have forward movement. I'm not hesitant. I'm not wondering. I'm not worried. Is he going to receive me? Is he going to accept me? We have boldness. Then we have access with confidence. How do you talk to someone when you have access and confidence? Okay. When you have access and confidence, you know, it's kind of like your child who knows that, that it is your job to be their parent. Mm-hmm. They don't come up to you wondering if you're listening. They know, you know, that you're listening to them because you're their parent. And they come up to you with a boldness. They don't come up to you, well, you know, maybe, you know, a kid goes up to a stranger because he doesn't know their relationship. But no, no child goes up to their parents wondering, you know, at least not, not a child that's not abused physically doesn't go up to their parents wondering. Uh, a child who's raised up in a good home has, goes up to his parents with confidence. This is what I need, right? right? And so that's, what, that's how we have to uh, look and interpret this. He wants us to go into him right? With access and confidence through faith. So all this is happening via activated belief. Okay, that's what faith is, activated belief. You can't just have the belief, you have to activate it. Faith without works is dead. So activated belief, that's what faith is doing. It's active, okay? You are actively believing. You're you're assertively believing. You're not passive. You are with confidence, believing in this thing through faith. Uh, and verse, uh, verse 13, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Wow. So yesterday we talked about this. Uh, he says, my tribulations for you. He's, why is he saying my tribulations? For the same reason he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He understands that this prison, that him being in prison and him, uh, the whole government wanting him executed. Uh, he's okay with it because he knows he's suffering for somebody else. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's not in jail because he evaded taxes. He knows that he's not in prison because he murdered someone. He knows that he's not in prison for his own cause. He knows that he is suffering for a greater cause, which eliminates his pain, right? Look at something I wrote down when, uh, in my notes. When you suffer, suffering over your issues brings anxiety, uh, instability, and insomnia. You can't sleep. You don't feel like building anything because you're always unstable. 
because you don't know if these problems are going to get you or not. You can't sleep about it, and you have tremendous amount of anxiety. But when you suffer for somebody else, it makes you stronger. Look at the evidence. He's in prison, but look, he's talking tough right now. He's in prison, and he don't know if he's going to get out. Uh, at, at this point, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see it overlaps where he's waiting for King Agrippa. He's, he's waiting for, for, uh, uh, for one person, then for another person. Uh, and the king, you know, one, one, one of the guys told him, you almost convinced me to be a Christian. Uh, very, very fascinating story in the, you know, towards the, the end of the book of Acts. And you can read that. But Paul is getting stronger by the day, even though he is suffering. But he says, look what he says, don't stress over me, right? My stress is your glory. I'm in here working for you. I'm in here praying for you. I'm in here suffering for you so you can get this word, so you can get this message. This is good for you. Amen? And so that's why, that's why we, he told them, don't feel sorry for me. I'm okay. I know in whom I have believed. I'm not, I'm not suffering like you think I am, right? You might be sad, but don't be sad. It's for your glory. So amen to that. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Amen. You got to be, verse 17 again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Look at how he keeps saying through faith, through faith, through faith. There are so many benefits about living by faith because everything comes through it. That act of actively believing is going to bring you all the goodies. All the goodies come through faith. All the powerful moves come through faith. Getting God closer to you comes through faith. Everything is going to happen through faith. So if there's any habit that you want to have in 2020 is the habit of believing, the habit of faith. You will draw God closer to you. You will bring problems far from you. And the power that God has assigned for you will always be leveled up. Amen. Verse 18. Oh, no, no. And the other thing is, watch this that you may be rooted and grounded in love, right? We, we make a habit to, to keep uh, reminding ourselves of the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus, because we are rooted in love, right? Rooted in love. Verse 18. Uh, that you be yeah, grounded in love, grounded and rooted in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him who is able 
to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. That's chapter three. Uh, amen. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. All right, so talk to me, y'all. What did you see? Uh, you agree with what I highlighted? Did you have anything else that you saw that I didn't mention? God bless, Pastor. It's me, Minister Addison. Okay, so I love this uh, this one uh, part. I remember when you, do you remember your preaching about the manifold wisdom of God? Do you remember you preached on that on 59th Street? I think it was so powerful. And just the, I, I just agree, amen, to everything you said about having activated faith. You know, that that to have faith and to have action behind it is so powerful and to to be bold and to have this access with with certainty and confidence you know i i can just appreciate it it just brings to memory all the scriptures where god says to come boldly come boldly come boldly and you know there's nothing more comforting i think when we can just accept the fact that he wants to accept us he wants us to come no matter where we are no matter how we feel about ourselves no matter the circumstances that are around us we can boldly approach and how um, encouraging it is that in a moment we know that god can pull us out so if we can just change the perspective just like paul is and and think about being effective versus being weak-minded and you know pitying ourselves in whatever situation if we can just focus on keeping that picture and being effective and knowing that all things work for our good and just pulling pulling on the word pulling on this truth you know to to seek out what god really wants us to achieve and i'm just grateful that we have this example in paul and how powerful that is when you said that he was he's the author and the creator of making the gospel and an outlawed you know and now he has to go ahead and 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 preach the gospel you know and that's so powerful to me that it's it's by his it's almost by his own work that he's in this mess you know and how he doesn't focus on on that but focuses on the gospel and the purpose and everything and i think that's something to hold on to too you know even though we we may have put ourselves in this mess you know we, there's a there's a way out or there's there's an effective way through it you know, and that's by faith and, and taking action and having that activated faith. So um, I suggest you guys go on SoundCloud and look for the manifold wisdom of God. I think that's what it's called. And it was a very powerful sermon. Amen. Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's start then. If nobody else has anything on chapter three, let's start now on chapter four. And you're going to see that you're probably going to highlight the entire chapter. Um, yes. because it, it's powerful. So let's, let's see how far we can get into this. I don't want to read too far, uh, without, without kind of breaking it down. So if you are ready, let's go for it. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond, uh, of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. Let's break that down, those five verses right there. Again, he, he opens up talking about him being a prisoner of Christ, not a prisoner of Rome. He understands why he's in prison. He's not bummed out about it. He's excited about it. His tone is excited for the people, wishing them the best. But I want you to understand what is the correlation of the scripture and the church, uh, our church in particular. So this scripture is, is, this is doctrine, okay? This is Bible. This is, this is the teaching that we here at House of Worship adhere to very, very dearly, right? Because I think a, a, a church that, I don't know why you would use anything else or what kind of philosophy you use, but we use this philosophy um, to run House of Worship, especially in verse, um, uh, verse two says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. We don't just bear one another because we have to. We don't do it because it's a burden. We do it because the love of Jesus that was bestowed upon us, we are obligated to, to move it forward. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amen? Mm -hmm. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling so the calling god called you for hope he didn't call you for hopelessness he didn't call you to deactivate you so you can just be anesthetized from the pain of life and just be in a stagnant place called the glory of the lord that's not what he called you for he called you for purpose but in that purpose there's unity in the purpose verse five says there's one lord one faith one baptism amen one lord one faith, one baptism. There's no six ways to do it. There's no five ways to do it. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So your whole life is about perfecting worship to one Lord, building the faith that's going to deliver you out of all troubles and build you, build the life that you were supposed to have and one baptism. One baptism means one way. There's only one way to God. And baptism signifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the fellowship of the resurrection, okay? To take on that action, to mimic and to mirror what the Lord has done for us to get into the acceptance of the beloved. That's, and the Lord had left the commandment. Go into all the world, preach. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Amen? Mm -hmm. now, I believe that's uh, Mark chapter 16. Uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So therefore, that's why we rejoice so much. Because we understand that this person getting baptized 
uh, God had wanted to help them, but he couldn't because they didn't belong to him. Uh, he can, God only helps those who belong to him, who have given him permission that he may get involved in their affairs. The Lord is a gentleman. He would never bum rush your house. He don't just run up in there. He, he operates through the process of permission. And those who do not receive Christ have not given Christ permission. I remember years ago, I was sitting in an airplane next to a, next to a young lady who was uh, very stressed out. She was going through some situation, just had lost her children through a process of no, no, no fault of her own. She was a victim of a relationship. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, her life was ripped to pieces. And as she telling me this story on the plane, I said, listen, I said, I'm a pastor. I know the word. You see me reading the Bible. She wanted to borrow my Bible so she could read a scripture that her brother uh, had texted her and she didn't have access to it. And so we read it. We were fellowshipping and I had asked her, I said, listen, uh, it seems to me that you got a problem that God can help you. And I said, he'd love to help you. And she got excited about it. I said, but he can't help you. And then she got sad again. I said, but he could help you. I said, the reason why I say he can help you is because you don't belong to him. And the, and the, what you, for what you need, you need, you need to be under him, right? He, he, you don't have no connection to him. And that was, uh, uh, that was sister Liz, right? Sister Lizbeth. And we prayed the prayer of faith on that plane and she received Jesus as Lord and savior. Cause she, she not only wanted the help, she knew that I, I got to belong to him in order to get this help. I'm in. Uh, and sister Liz been in since that day, praise the Lord. So, so this is for, uh, for you to understand the power of, of belief and the power of the connection, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It makes all of us family. Even though we're not all from the same nationality, we are all family through the blood of Jesus. It connects all of us. That's why the greatest honor that you can call someone is brother and sister. When you call someone brother, you, you, you are calling me accepted. You're calling me family. When you call someone sister, you're calling her family. You're saying you are washed by the blood of the lamb. In short, also known as aka sister right aka brother that is a title that is that is a holy matrimony that is a marriage between the bride being the church and the groom which is jesus christ who the book of revelation says that he's coming to get his bride right what he loves his beloved we have been betrothed to him we are engaged to the coming of our lord jesus christ when Jesus come back, he ain't coming back to get no strays. He's not coming back to get a hot mess. He's coming back to get his bride, which is the church. And the relationship that he has with his church is a romantic relationship. It's a romantic relationship where he has fought for her. He has courted her. He has won her over. He has, he has earned her trust, her heart. He bought her. As in the Old Testament, you'd have to purchase the right to marry and you'd have to pay off her debts and if she was connected to her father you'd have to pay him off as we saw as a type of of salvation where um jacob was had to work seven years and and he got leah and he didn't want leah he wanted rachel then he had to work another uh, uh another 
seven years to get the wife that he wanted. He compares that relationship to us where he's willing to work to get us. It doesn't matter. He, for the first labor that he did was for the children of Israel and the children of Israel didn't work out. So he had to do the work again through grace so that all of us may be saved. And so there's always, there's always a working that the Lord has to do to get us. We are his bride. He treats this relationship as a romantic relationship between a husband and a wife. The husband has to court. Husband has to, has to pay off the, 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 the old debts, has to pay off whatever agreement there was with the father in order for him to get his bride to himself. Uh, and so the Bible calls us the bride. We are the bride of Christ. He's coming to get his, right? He's coming to get what belongs to him. He has paid a high price for it. Amen. Uh, and, and so that's, that's, uh, that's just a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful thing. He, he, you know, if you look at that time, if you look at love stories and how love stories are written, you know, after this long, uh, this long departure, when we, you know, uh, long distance couples, they get together, they, they just, you know, you just miss it. Okay. You miss each other so much. And if you look at our condition, uh, the Lord is, is, is waiting. Right? Our, our souls internally yearn for the coming of Jesus Christ. As, as a wife waiting for a husband to come back from a long travel, we are awaiting for the coming. That's why whenever we pray, you know, there should be in our prayer at the end of the night, right? Right before you go to sleep, you should say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come, right? Don't ever value this life more than the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ right? Don't ever value anything. Do not value this life more because you don't even know. Life starts when the groom comes back. Life starts when the groom comes to get his bride. There's a wedding in heaven. And now we can start to have our life. Every time I do a wedding, I always tell the couple, the, the wedding is not the end all. This is not the end of the story. It, you might think so because you've been living together and being together. But the marriage is the beginning of a new life. It is not the end all. It, this is the beginning, right, of the relationship. And so for those of you who think that we're going to live this life and at the end of our life, we're going to be with Jesus, that's not where life is going to end. Your life begins at the second coming of Jesus Christ. This, what we're doing right now, is the courting stage. This is the preparation stage. This is the stage where we learn and we reach out to people. And the good news is, this ain't gonna take long, right? We, you got about maybe another four or five decades and we are out of here, mm -hmm. right? Whatever, do what you gotta do, have children, have grandchildren, have a blast, have a good time, be successful, don't be successful, uh, have a mansion, live in a condo, whatever you wanna do, do it. This is not the end, okay? When I die, that's not the end. That is just the beginning. And we're still alive. But Jesus comes back. His coming back marks the beginning. The marriage is the beginning. And there is going to be a holy matrimony when Jesus comes to get his bride. And the groom sweeps the bride away. And we will be, what the Bible says, with the Lord forever. That is the ultimate love story. The story of Jesus and the bride whom he uh, fought to save. If you don't believe me, read Hosea. Read where the prophet Hosea was, was, was told 
to go marry a harlot. He said, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. And he said, what do you mean, marry a prostitute? Are you nuts? He says, yes, I want you to go and marry a prostitute so I can tell you what it is to be, to be married to the children of Israel. They betrayed you. They turned the back. They cheat. The Israel cheated on me. So I want you to go and do it. And, 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 and the prophet had to go. He, after he married her, he cleaned her up. Uh, he took her off the street, had a child with her, right? And, and she goes and gets pregnant by another man too. She goes off and, 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 and you know, uh, cheats on him. She betrays him. And he has to go clean her up again and buy her back after she has sold herself off. He takes her, he cleans her, and she becomes his again. And he said, this is what it is like to, 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 to marry Israel. This is what it's like to marry mankind. And so he didn't, but, but let, let me not say mankind, to marry the church. Because he's, he's not coming back to save mankind. He, he ain't coming back for everybody. He's coming back for those who receive him as the Lord and Savior and are baptized unto him. Yeah. that's what he's coming to get. So is he coming to get you, right? If the answer is yes, you know who he's coming back for, then rejoice every single day. Because if you got laid off, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you got rich, it doesn't matter. You ain't taking your money with you. This is just a game. The only thing that we take with us is the souls that we help to get saved because that becomes part of us, right? They be, we becomes one body and we take our body with us because this is what the Lord is coming back for. Amen? Amen. I, hope, I hope that uh, that, that helped you to understand our relationship with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. All right, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Amen. Let's get into the gifts. Now, this is important because as we just said, the marriage uh, of the bride and the groom, the church and, and, and Jesus Christ uh, has offspring. Okay. The saints that continue to build off the souls that continue to get saved. These are the offspring in order for us to be effective. Then he doesn't just leave us alone, but he's going to give us gifts that is going to make it easier for us to do what we're called to do. Okay. Now let's study this. Therefore, he says he ascended on high. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Amen. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? Look at verse 12. This is so important that you understand this. He gave gifts not for people to shine or to feel good about themselves or to get trophies on the wall or to get patted on the back. Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So it is to equip, if I'm a pastor, my job is to equip you so that you can minister, okay? It, the first part is equipping you, 
so you can deal with you. Okay? So your first step is to learn the scriptures, get the preaching, get the sermons, get all you can, can all that you can get. And then use it to boost yourself up, to build your faith in the Lord. But then according to this, you're supposed to do the work of ministry. Right? It's not just for you to get good and for you to have peace and you feel to feel great. You have to do something with what you learn. You have to minister for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, till we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine uh, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up all in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, hallelujah, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself. Amen. So he starts off talking, look, he starts off talking about this section, uh, how the gifts bring edification to the saints, but then something happens where it starts to transform, where the body edifies itself, right? The body builds itself. So when something starts, he, he, he'll have uh, pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, all these things to bring the influx of knowledge. Once that's there and the church starts to feed on itself through fellowship, through coffee, through meeting, you know, meeting for a quick empanada, uh, meeting for studying notes, meeting just to kind of fellowship, right? Uh, breaking bread. All these things are the, the body edifying the body, the body edifying the body, the body edifying the body, feeling good about itself, feeling healthy about itself moving the blood of Jesus around, right? That's how, that's how we flow uh, in the gospel. Amen? Uh, anybody have any, any comments about this? Anything that you see? share something um i like how it's it's very clear that the the reasons for god giving some to the apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers is for the equipping of the saints and sometimes we wonder like what is it that i'm called for what is it that i'm working at you know what what is the gift that god has for me and it's not so much don't look at the me but look at what's the purpose of it and and if you take yourself out of Take the me out, then you're and focus on the kingdom. Then the, the the true purpose and the gifting reveals itself. When you look, when you take yourself out of the mix and, and focus on God, and I think that's where a lot of people get confused. Like, oh, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my purpose is. But everything is revolved around the my, me, I, versus here is taking it out of the you and putting it towards the kingdom and the expansion. So every perfect 
gifts comes from God so that it can equip the saints and it can move the body forward. So I, I really like how that kind of, that phrase just stuck out in me a little bit more. That's good. That's good. That's really good feedback. Let's, uh, let's go a little, a little further to the next section. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being, who, who being past feeling have been themselves uh, given themselves over to lewdness, to all work of uncleanness and greediness. But you have not learned so from Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man. which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So here he's saying, I'm going to read that verse again, and that you put on the new man, which was created. So this new man was created already, right? When, when we put on sin, that became uh, a personality that God did not create. That wasn't his design for you. We became a product of the world, a product of our environment because of the lack of connection, spiritual connection that we had to develop as we got older. And unfortunately, some of us didn't start developing a relationship with Christ uh, until our late 20s, 30s, 40s, some people 50 years old. 50 years without hearing the voice of the Lord, that's a lot of years. You know, you've been hearing the voice of everything else, but you have not been submitting to the voice of the Lord. So once you put on Christ, then that man that he created, that woman that he created, that's the person that you start walking into. And you start realizing, oh my God, I'm changing, right? What is happening is you're changing to your original self, right? The self, the one that God had created you are actually going back to creative state and turning into the person that God had always meant for you to be in Jesus' name. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has a need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that, if, that, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. 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 This is so, so key that you highlight 25 to the end. 
because you know there's always a lie that we tell ourselves especially in business we might tell ourselves you know especially if you do business by lying or you know if if you you know did illegal activity sold drugs or whatever it was they used to do um you understand that you did business a certain way you were a certain way you lived a certain way all right what happens now you're going to clean up your life how do i do it? i don't even know how to do it right i have little tricks i have little games that i play uh the best thing to do is once you start walking with the lord is to understand you don't got to play those games to make money you can do it the honest way right uh because when you do things the lord's way you might think you made more money before but you had more expenses you had holes in your pocket you had bad spending you 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 lived a miserable existence but now in the lord everything has changed uh for the better so i would i would ask you to consider that um that is you'll never be as happy as you will if you settle and say you know what this i'm going to live this life for jesus i'm going to live this life for the lord and then all of a sudden something's going to happen something's going to happen very dynamic where you're like wait a minute i'm finding new strategies on how to do things i don't have to lie i used to make money by lying now i realize i don't have to lie i can tell the truth he's going to give me the wisdom on how and what time i need to tell the truth right he's going to give me strategy so i don't have to play these games i can i can actually be honest cuz it's so freeing to be honest it's so freeing to not have to remember your lies right it's so exhausting right one of the reasons why i never really uh caught on to lying right as a kid cuz i hated it i hated having to remember a lie and then being embarrassed being caught out there uh and you always get caught out there right mm-hmm. maybe not in front of your face but behind your back uh you know people people talk about you right and they'll know they'll know what it is and then you 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 think you're popular or whatever but you're not really popular people around you for ulterior motives cuz they need you but you know they know that you're a liar right and once people know you're a liar uh these people hang around they're not your friends right they if they still people who are around people who they know they lie it's probably because they need your money or something right or they need something that you that you have but yeah they yeah because they know that all right he's a liar he could be manipulated and you always end up with the short end of the stick because god god doesn't work like that he works with the truth um and when i found out i said man i think is let me just rock the truth right if i don't like you let me just work on it and i'm try like you but if i can't with you listen i'm trying so hard and i tried everything and you know what i, I don't like you <laughs> you know what i mean i just I, i've been trying and i've been doing everything i can i just i can't stand you and i don't think we should work together anymore and it's so freeing the truth will set you free right the truth will set you free you know listen uh if you got to tell somebody the truth be tactical don't be obnoxious don't be rude have the right timing but it's always better to deal with the truth right uh and and you have to strategize one of the things the lord taught me you got to be shrewd right you have to be shrewd you you got to hustle don't let people take advantage of you but you don't have to be a liar right hustling doesn't mean lying telling the truth doesn't mean that you let people take advantage of you either right and i think so 
it's when you tell the truth and you're a true person, you have all the power in your hand because, because you operate in truth and everybody is operating in a lie. So you always have the upper hand, you know, whether you believe it or not. And so I think that's one of the things that um, I personally take away from this scripture. Amen. So congratulations. We just went through Ephesians chapter four and five. You, you can put that in the books uh, as complete. And next week, we will close the book of Ephesians with chapter five and six. Um, and so I hope that you have uh, been blessed by it and that the Lord may add a blessing to the reading of the word. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Um, and let's let the Lord continue to bless our week. I pray for everyone that's on the call that you may find yourself well and that the Lord may continue to bless you in the name of Jesus and that you may reread this chapter. Remember, I did not extrapolate everything from the text. Your, your mission, should you choose to accept, is to use this book for the rest of your life and use this as a guide. I have pointed out just a few things for your consideration. We read it together so we can understand the context, but it is up to you, however many lives, years you're gonna be on the earth, to unfold the word of God constantly, revert back to it, use the scripture, fight the devil with the scripture. Remember who you are according to what this text has told you. Act with love, just like the scripture says. You, you see it evident when you come to the church. Now that you're reading these scriptures, you're realizing, oh, that's why these guys are so into fellowship. Oh, that's why they keep calling us. Oh my God, that's why they keep treating me this way. They didn't just make this stuff up. It's actually the Bible told them to do it. Yes, we are not that nice people, okay? We're not that smooth, we're not that bright. All the stuff that we do, we got it from the Bible, right? Do yourself a favor. Don't be so bright. The Bible says, do not lean not on your own understanding. Don't think that you're that smart. Lean on the proven history that the word works when you work it. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. Tonight, Lord God, we thank you for all the things that you have done. We bless you, Lord, because a lot of things will fade away. Some friendships will fade away. We might change jobs. Our children will grow up and they won't even look like what they look like today. Our kids will have kids and we were kids and now we're changing. The world is gonna change. It's inevitable. What was also interesting is that your word will also never change in a world that changes everything. The technology has changed so much since the Bible was written, yet the Bible is still effective. It passes the blades of time. It'll continue to the end because you are the Bible, for you are the word of God, living and powerful, able to pierce, or God, a, two, a, a, a two-edged sword, able to pierce the, the heart all the way, Lord God, the bone to the marrow. We pray, Lord, that this word may live in us every single day. Help us, O oh God, to war with it and to shape a life that is memorable. We thank you, Lord, once again, for completing your promises, for being a promise keeper. We present, Lord God, the church. We present our petitions. 
we put our hearts on our hands and we say, Lord, have your way in our lives. Be the good God that you always are. Answer our prayers, for we believe in you. We are not waiting on nobody else. We know nobody else is coming to get us. Nobody else can save, only Jesus. And so we appeal, Lord God, to your heart. We believe on you and no one else. Heal our children. Bless our leaders. Help them, Lord God, to be healthy and vibrant. We break, Lord God, the chain of infirmity that has been trying, Lord God, to infiltrate our church. We pray, Lord God, division spirits that will try to infiltrate the church. Gossiping spirits, nosy spirits. All these things, Lord God, we cast them out in the name of Jesus. And we stay vigilant, Lord God, for every attack that might want to come behind, Lord God, or from the side. We expose all these things that the light of Christ may never depart from my side and our side. We pray, Lord God, these things, knowing that you're able to complete them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen, Amen. Amen everybody. Pastor. God bless you. God bless Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good evening, everyone. Good night, guys. Love you guys. See y'all Sunday. See y'all Sunday. Rudy. Sunday, bro. Brother Rudy. Brothers. Battery survived.